Another crazy day at the World Cup celebrations in Zagreb as Croatia knock out the tournament favourites Brazil on penalties. Luka Modric's side once again then through to the semi-finals. Brazil once again losing to European competition. Hello, welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. What a day this was in the World Cup. Craig Burley alongside me, as is Ali Moreno. Uh, we kick things off with the tournament favourites then out. Brazil looked so good up to this point. They never really got going against Croatia. Goalless after 90 minutes. We go into extra time. A brilliant individual goal from Neymar. Would see Chiche Sai take the lead, but Croatia with her only shot on target would find the back of the net to make it 1-1. It would go to penalties. Rodrigo and Marquinhos seeing their penalties miss. So it's Croatia who then advance to the semi-finals. Uh, for more on this, let's welcome in, shall we? Oh, Mario Malkios, we'll talk about you, Mario, a little bit later on. Of course, disappointment for the Dutch. Oh, Gustavo Hoffman is with us, our Brazilian expert. And oh, Shaka's here as well. <laughs> Before we hear from you guys, this wasn't supposed to happen. Brazil would look brilliant. Yeah, it wasn't. They had, but this was a step up. Mm. You know, Lovren and Guardiola in particular have been particularly Guardiola have been brilliant. The keeper continued his magnificent form. Full-back from Celtic on the right side. Excellent. And, of course, that midfield three. Midfield three for with Modric in there. So, yeah, it wasn't supposed to happen. But they gained some control in the game. And Brazil, yeah, they huffed and puffed. And Levakovic made some great saves yeah. at the key point. But it wasn't, a, it wasn't a South Korea performance. It wasn't a, like... Harlem Globetrotters, this is amazing. It was bits and pieces against a very, very good side. And yeah, I mean, on the, on the balance of chances created, they looked more dangerous. But they didn't get the job done again. No, and they didn't dominate co- mm. completely. As Craig says, we saw some good saves. But Croatia had a lot of the ball as well. Mm. There wasn't that kind of that swashbuckling football that we've associated with. Them. I think Brazil were surprised that Croatia were willing to press Brazil higher up the field as they did early on in the game. To the point to where you just mentioned Juranovic. He became a critical part of the success of Croatia in that he was willing to run with the ball 40 yards, nobody making contact with him because Vinny Jr. is not going to track back and there is no help coming out of the midfield and Neymar is not going to track back. And so this guy just continues to drive with the ball. And so now Croatia gets a little bit of confidence. Now they have possession of the ball in the attacking half. And while they're not as dangerous in the attacking half because they don't quite have the talent level that Brazil does in the final third, Croatia was there and felt comfortable in the manner in which they were playing. Brazil does Croatia a favor by slowing down the game. And they did this time and time again. Well, if I were talking to Neymar right now and if we had a personal relationship, I would sit him down and say, Neymar, why are you standing on the ball? Repeatedly. Time and time again, why are you standing on the ball? In doing that, you're helping Croatia. You're allowing them to sit behind the ball now, and now you're moving the ball side to side, side to side, and they're moving with you, so it becomes easier to defend. The strength of Brazil, when they get into the final third, is the quick movement of the ball and the quick movement of players. When you stand on it, you become predictable. Uh, Gustavo, how are you? Hello there. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't Brazil lie. is not Don't fine, lie. but it's I'm all fine. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Well, uh, it's a huge disappointment for Brazil. A really huge disappointment. A big frustration for the Brazilian people because everybody in Brazil really thought that Brazil could win this World Cup, could win the World Cup for the first time after 20 years, after 20, uh, 2002. So it's a huge disappointment because Brazil was playing well. Brazil has a group of talents. Brazil also uh, was was playing well with so many tactics. And what we saw in the World Cup was a team very predictable. I absolutely agree with Alejandro when he says that Brazil was surprised. By the way, Croatia started the match, pressing high, fighting for the possession of the of the ball. Brazil didn't feel comfortable in the field in any moment. I think that this was the key for the, the the key for Croatia in this match because Brazil didn't feel comfortable because Croatia was pressing high because Croatia was with the ball. We have to talk about Luka Modric. What a player! What a genius he is. He 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 he, he knows how to manage a game like this. And we also have to talk about, in my opinion, the mistakes that Tite made today. I do not agree when you sack a player like Vinicius Jr. in the 19th minute of a decisive match. Yes, Brazil had a problem to defend Juranovic, but you, haven't, you have many ways to correct that. You don't sack one of your protagonists, one of the best Brazilian players in the 19th minute in a match that you know that is hard. We can also talk about Neymar. Should have kicked the, the one penalty at least. You should. Mm. You, you could have changed the order for Neymar. Well, uh, in this whole World Cup, Brazil made some good matches, played very well against South Korea. Today, we didn't see the best Brazil. We have the stats. We have so many good stats, but I can I can have also I can I, I, I say that I watched. When I see these stats, the same movie that I watched in 2018, when Brazil lost to Belgium with brilliant stats, but didn't know how to finish the match. Yeah, Gustavo's doing really well after after that game, Dan, as you as you can quite clearly tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems he seems fine with it. Well, I mean, Does he know that you back Brazil, Shaka? Really? Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. You change your mind. What is it? Well, one of the differences no. between if you look no, at no, France, no, no, I have. If you look at France, who play tomorrow, we'll find out. Uh, and you look at the teams have lost to Croatia, who haven't won a World Cup. Belgium, who haven't won a World Cup. Brazil. Uh, on home territory, got crushed by Germany. It's not a good look. Mm. I mean, you can give me all the flair you want. Yeah. But you look at the difference was, we were talking about it just before we came on air, how uh, Matty Cash was quoted as saying, I felt I had a really good game against Mbappe, but Mbappe was the difference. Juranovic, brilliant today, but Vinicius Junior, okay, we can argue about him coming off or or staying on, but he certainly wasn't the difference. And that, that is ultimately... What's got the French where they are, kind of, and what might take them further uh, come tomorrow's game? Look, maybe this sort of Harlem Globetrotter performance they had against South Korea was not such a good thing. It made them complacent? Maybe they come out and thought, you know what, we're going to just do this again. Think Spain, think Costa Rica. Carried away. Oh, this is it. I mean, look at that. Spain, my God. They're going to just do that to everybody. Uh, no, think again. Some opposition are tougher. And I think South Korea, they were a better side than we saw, but they capitulated to this sort of free-flowing, 
you know, sort of beach football, you know, just off the cuff movement, and and the the plaudits that came with it were incredible. Come to Croatia, super organised, lots of experience, one of the best midfielders on the planet over the last 10 years in the middle of the park, great workman-like, and a mentality that is just fight, fight, fight. You know, independence in 91, a population of less than 4 million compared to Brazil and others, and they could be in their second World Cup final in the space of four years. That's an amazing, amazing achievement. With a 37-year-old and the heart of everything that's And they keep churning this out. You are absolutely correct. 100% correct, Craig. And yet Brazil were up one nothing. Right. See, for all the things that didn't happen for Brazil in this game, they were up one nothing into the second half of extra time. So my question is, what in the world are they doing having people committed to the attack when you had a defensive posture to begin with in that second half of the extra time? How are six players out of the play in transition and how does it become a 4v4 TC situation going in the opposite direction? My other question would be, why is Neymar on the field at that point? How is he helping you at that point? And you have Fabinho, whose job is to break up transition opportunities. You have Fabinho on the bench. And now, we're going to keep Neymar out there for what? He's giving you a slow jog. He's not going to help you defensively. If you're trying to see this game out, which is what's the post posture of Brazil in the second half of the extra time, then you don't need him out there. He's, he doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form. The other question I have, I have many questions. other question I have, you decide to bring out uh, Militao. Yes. And you put Alexandro, who wasn't fully healthy, you put him on the left-hand side, and you bring Danilo over to the right-hand side. Danilo had been grabbing his leg because he was cramping. So if you tell me that Militao was hurting, so was Danilo. And if it comes down to a situation in which I want somebody to defend, I prefer Militao than Danilo. So there's so many decisions here that were made or not made, as the case would be by Tite, that were more emotional than anything else, rather than evaluating what's in front of you. I don't care if you have controversy with Neymar because he gets mad if you bring him off the field. You deal with that after you've qualified to the next round, after you've won the game. Until then, Neymar, come off the field. I'm going to secure this win. We'll talk about this afterwards. Well, I presume he never took him off because he was going to take a penalty. Well, well, behold. But the other side is is Anthony gave the ball away, I believe. Right, and they were pushing forward. And And I... Amongst other things, there was an arrogant naivety, and I think both those words are apt. There was a naivety and there was an arrogance at at, at the end about how to keep the ball and how to see a game out. And one of the things I didn't like prior to Croatia scoring, and I didn't think they were going to score, but but, but they did, was when Anthony chased back Perisic uh, to the right-back position. Did a great job, blocked the ball, it went out for a goal kick, and then he stood over the lying Perisic yeah. like he was a 16-year-old kid, mm. like that. Perisic, to be fair to him, got up, didn't take the bait and ran off. And I just thought, you know what? This game is not over yet. And yeah. here we have this guy who's already been showboating, who should have been booked for diving and wasn't, standing over one of the most experienced players in Europe as if he was the big cheese. I, I just... I just left a bad taste. Shaka, you were at the yeah. game, and obviously there, <laughs> it was all down mm. to what happened in extra time. Once Neymar scored, did you get a feeling from everyone it, with regards to the players, the coaching staff, the fans, that the job was done? Uh, listen, I, I, before Neymar scored, I thought there was a nervousness in, in the stadium. It was a huge majority, Brazilian majority, as I'm sure you could tell. Um, but 
once that goal went in, you, 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 that, that kind of nervous atmosphere lifted and, and it, it felt like Brazil were just going to win this because let, let's be honest, Croatia did not did not threaten before that. But to the point that, that Craig just made about, about uh, Anthony and Perisic. Now Anthony is a strange player for me. So in, in the first half, uh, I was sat right behind where Rafinha was and I, I, where Rafinha was playing on, on the right hand side. I, I, thought he, he, I thought he was having a very good game. And then Anthony came on and Anthony's a really odd player to to, to, to see. I thought he had the beating of Sosa all day, every day. But every time he got goal side of Sosa, he does not put himself between defender and ball. He runs, and as soon as anybody catches up with him, and he's not as quick as a thought, he has to do this kind of loop and take the defender on head on. And more times than not, he was beaten in Sosa yet again. But what started happening was Perisic would come over and Perisic started playing bodyguard to Sosa and was very physical with him. And a couple of times, two of them had little head-to-heads off the ball that I thought was, was really telling. And maybe that's why when, when Anthony got the ball off of Perisic, he kind of stood over him because two of them were, were having that. But that's not a battle that, that, that Anthony could could ever win. That's what Perisic was playing perfectly into, into, into what was needed of him in, in, in defending his right back. There are so many other questions about underperformers for Brazil as well. Rodrigo made absolutely no sense to me. I, I, I honestly don't know what his, his purpose was on the park. Coming in for, for Vinicius Jr., he offered nothing. Um, and then Neymar was a, a very frustrating character. Goal apart, I, I thought at times he drifted out, drifted out of the game, and I put that down to Brozovic, who I, I thought kind of sat in that half space between the, the, the center halves and, and the midfielders wonderfully well. Never really man-marked Neymar, but just somehow filled that space. And, and in the end, Neymar could only get on the ball in drop deep. So I, I thought while Brazil dominated in, in, well, despite what the stats say, it felt like Brazil dominated the ball I thought Croatia had a plan for everything that Brazil had to offer. And in the end that, that got them at, at least the penalty kicks and, 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 and through to the next round. Well he skirted the yellow cut, the second yellow a few times, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, but, then very it, much. but then again, I think you look at the other side of it, and Danilo had a, a second yellow challenge, a rash challenge. We had the, the dive that wasn't punished by Anthony. And then, then actually, we had a, a bit of a petulant kick out from Neymar on a couple of occasions. And I think maybe that was part of the, the frustration as well. Gustavo, looking yeah. at it, obviously, yeah. we, thought, we, we, we thought we saw the moment from Neymar, didn't we? We thought this was it. Yeah, this was his World Cup moment to see Brazil through to the semi-finals. Croatia then obviously equalised. He's clearly going to take the fifth penalty. But once Rodrigo misses his penalty, surely there has to be a discussion. There has to be someone who says, right, we need our best penalty takers now because we could be in a situation yes. which we did end up with that Neymar didn't take a pen. Yeah, I was talking to Shaka right before the show. Exactly this. Uh, when Rodrigo loses the penalty, you have to change the order. You have to have, you must have Neymar uh, in the shootout. You can't leave him for the fifth penalty. You should have changed it. This is one of the main mistakes that it's made today. And we are talking about about that in Brazil. In Brazil now, uh, people are talking about these mistakes. Uh, the decision to sack Vinicius, the decision to let Neymar for the 50 penalty. Uh, there are many things today. I think that teach today, 
didn't have the answers for the Croatian moves. Uh, when we talk about the match, we are talking about Zlatko Dalic, who made some tactical moves, some tactical changes, and Brazil didn't have the right answers. Brazil couldn't answer what Croatia made for today. Uh, we saw Luka Modric moving around, moving behind the defenders, looking for the ball, uh, also marking a lot Casemiro when Brazil had the ball in the defense and was leaving to the attack. Uh, you know, Brazil, I think that it was too predictable for mm. Croatia. And Zlatko Dalic knew exactly how Brazil would play and taught the match with I, that. I, I, I thought Croatia had, 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 had a plan for everything that, that Brazil had to offer. But, mm. but to, to that point about the penalty kicks that Gustavo was, was speaking about there, even if once, that, once Rodrigo misses and you decide to change, you can change the order at any time you like. Mm. But you get down to your fourth kick. You still need your fourth kicker, your fifth kicker, whoever that may be, to score. And you need Allison to make a save. So what are you saving Neymar for? You need to at least give Allison that opportunity to, to make the save. And in the end, you put Marquinhos and you, you, you still needed Allison to make that save. And you deny him even, even that opportunity. I, I mean, it's, it's a big ask, but at least you let it you force Croatia to take that fifth kick. You force whoever it is is about to step up with all that pressure on their shoulders against one of the best goalkeepers in, in, in the world. And that, and that doesn't happen. And, and for a reason that I, I can't explain. No, I, I never get into discussions around penalty orders. I think it really is an inexact science. You saw, and we, I know we'll talk about the Argentina game, Lionel Messi going first. For Croatia, you saw Luka Modric going third. So often we see national teams save their best kicker for last. But this is a different situation. Yes. This is one that you have to force Croatia to take that telling fifth kick and, and you don't. You leave it as a, a centre-back to take that fourth kick. It, it, it really, it, it really, um, it, it's, it's hard to, hard to explain. Well, it's as simple as a bit of paper, isn't it? Because in a bit of paper, before the law changed, yep. it was written down. And so you're guessing about your penalty takers, right, I'll send a really mm. good one first and I'll have somebody bringing up the rear end just in case, you know, where, where the pressure is. You haven't got that excuse now. No. You can just evolve it as it's going along which we didn't see uh, Luis Enrique do, and we certainly haven't seen and didn't see the Brazilian coach do it. And it's strange because you know, Neymar, one of the leaders, grab that ball. Grab the ball and take it down there. You don't need somebody to give you permission, do you? If indeed mm. you are the leader, then we mm. think you are within this national team. And if indeed in that moment you are needed, you can make those decisions. See, while the manager can be and should be criticised, he, he's not absolved from this criticism. The players are out there as well. And you know full well that if we don't score here, we go. So am I going to leave it on the center back, on Marquinhos to do it, or am I going to take that responsibility? It should be me if I'm Neymar. It's nobody else who's going to take this penalty. It's going to be me, and then we'll see what happens after that. So yes, it's on teacher. Of course it is. But it's also on the players. And, and that's the part that I think beyond the penalty kick shootout, because it's easy to focus on the penalty kick shootout. 
The penalty kick shootout doesn't happen if Brazil defend properly and don't have seven players, seven players out of position in a counterattack with three minutes to go in the second half of extra time. That's irresponsible. For players of this caliber, of this experience, you just sit behind the ball. Fred, why are you on the wrong side of the ball? You were brought in to sit in in front of the back four and make sure that you defend properly. Why are you on the other side of the ball? There is no excuse for that. There's no excuse for Casemiro to be trailing the play. No excuse for it to be 4v3 going in the wrong direction. That is something that, while Tite will take criticism, the players themselves, what kind of decision-making is this and mismanagement on the field by those players with that sort of experience, with that sort of quality, unable to see a game out? I think in some, oh, sense, Brazil were, uh, I think in some sense Brazil were a little bit lucky. Not lucky. Lucky in a way that Croatia... You could argue they're a really good Mandzukic away from, from being, a, being a real threat. Mm. You know, they, they lack somebody in that department. A lot of the other departments of the team are really, really good. And Brazil really didn't have to cope with, you know, a, a, anything of any real threat right through the middle until the end. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it just when you look at them losing Copa America, as they did, albeit during the pandemic or during that time, and now... Going out again, and I repeat it, you know, Croatia are a good side, but they haven't won a World Cup. It's not like Brazil mm. going out to France and you go, right, OK, give it a best shot. Last two World Cups in a row. Uh, Mario, I'm sorry, the Dutch get knocked yeah. out and you've got to listen to us waffle on for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but look, I, I, look, some of the things you guys explained to me, I agree with, but I, listen, I'll let the guys jump on it, you know, so take their time, but some of the things, I, I am happy that Saka called, uh, you know, Brozovic, because he was the man in the game. I know everybody looked at Modric, how great he played, but Brozovic, he closed all the lines to the Boston Neymar and he started dropping off so far back that it killed the Brazilian game. And I was so happy he said that, you know, like, oh, man, he was the key man in the middle of the park. That's all I have to say because he really changed the game for them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And relax. <laughs> and relax a moment. Ooh, I mean, oh, man. Uh, what next then, Gustavo? Chiche's obviously leaving. We knew he was going to leave at the end of this tournament. What next is Brazil's side? Neymar says that he may not play in another World Cup. Yeah, before this World Cup, Neymar had already said that maybe he wouldn't. Actually, he said that this would be his last World Cup. I don't think so. I really don't think so. After the match day, he also said that uh, he doesn't know if he's going to play for Brazil again. Probably because he lost the match. He was with the, the, the head, like, thinking so many things. But... I'm for sure he's going to play again for Brazil. About the next World Cup, I don't know. But I think that he's also going to be in the next Brazil squad in the World Cup. About Titi. Titi leaves. He departs now. Uh, everybody knew or read that. Titi had already said for more than a year that mm. he would leave after this World Cup, winning or losing. So this is a fact and everybody knew that it would, it would happen. Who's going to be the next manager for Brazil? We have no idea. We have no names. And we don't have a Brazilian manager capable now to be the next manager. So this is a problem because Brazil never had a foreign manager. And if we look to the Brazilian football, uh, we had in these last years 
we have so many Portuguese managers that have achieved so many, so many things in Brazil. We have Abel Ferreira with Palmeiras, two times Libertadores champions. We have Jorge Jesus, who's now in Fenerbahce in Turkey, who won the Libertadores also with Flamengo. So I think that we're going to have so many things happening in Brazil in the next weeks or months, I don't know. And actually now we have no name for the Brazilian a spot now for, for to, to be the next Brazilian manager, but I think that we're gonna have so many people talking about a foreign manager. I I, I have the perfect solution for you, Gustavo. Shaka his love, Stevie Nickel. He's available. Um, and he's, 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 flu, he's fluent in Portuguese. I understand. Yes. Just the man. Learning something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gustavo, thank you very much for joining us, mate. Uh, much appreciated. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, let's focus, shall we, on the other quarterfinal that took place today. And boy, that delivered as well. Just a reminder, ESPN FC on ESPN Plus is presented by the all-new Honda CRV Hybrid. Argentina against Netherlands. Easy for Argentina. 2-0 up. You thought that's it. Take the dog for a walk. Everything will be fine. Uh, the Dutch, though, would get themselves back into it pretty much for the last kick of the 90 minutes. They would equalize to make it 2-2. Goes to extra time. But in the end, it's Argentina who advance on penalties. Uh, let's take a look at the celebrations. Uh, this... With the Argentinian fans, <laughs> uh, once uh, Ladro Martinez scores, that penalty that sees them through, I'm sure, seems it replicated right across the country. Um, I imagine somewhat contrasting scenes, though, in Amsterdam and certainly in the Mario Malchior household. Uh, Mario, how are you? Oh, man. Oh, you know, the, you know, look, when the game started, we were all like, you know, one side of you believe that you can turn the point because Argentina, we met them so many times. This was our sixth moment, I think. But of course, they're always going to be in the upper hand because, they, you know, the greatness of them. But I always thought this test is going to be about mentality, character, and then the tactical side comes. 
Argentina changed their system a little bit. They played, uh, what is it, more like a five at the back and then a couple in the middle, and then, you know, Messi and Alvarez up front. Um, and we knew that if we have to play against them, you have to focus, of course, it's normal. You focus on Messi. How can you stop him? What can you do against him? And then you see how we play against him, and he gets that crucial moment when he gets on the ball, because we focus on when Messi doesn't get the ball, because a lot of people think about, oh, Messi's only dangerous when he gets the ball. But we all know when he walks around, he's even more dangerous sometimes than when he has the ball. And he gets on the ball, makes that turn, and some kids, I know there are so many people in football that try to do the no-look ball. He plays the ball like a no-look ball. I put Molina right in. And I'm like, oh my God. The moment that ball gets played, it can only be... And I'm going to tell you something. Look, you know when we talk about somebody is great? This ball that he assists, that was the greatness. That was why we talk he's so great. I mean, why I would say he's great. Because the way he slipped him in, it was the, the weight of the ball, like we, you know, the speed of the ball, the way he set him up, and the timing of it, it changed the game. And then we thought it was all over. But then we come back. The way we came back, it was just crazy. And you know what was funny? Because uh, Hernandez, for example, was an Ajax player before. And he knew that how Holland is going to play. They're going to go to the side and bring the balls in. And Weghorst came on and Luke Young. So as soon as they came on, he knew the long balls are going to come in. It's classical English style. We play like that because that's our plan B. And I know if God was going to bring that. But what happened now, when the ball was coming in, Rechos, he scores his first goal, that header, and then that free kick, they have practiced it. I didn't expect him to do that because it was like, what is it, two minutes or one minute before the yeah. end? He puts that free kick in and the guy turns and he puts it and I'm like, wow, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, my hope was them going up. Up, up, yeah. up. I almost got to come on my chair and then I got knocked down. So, yeah, then after that, the penalties, yeah. You know, you can prep, 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 but Argentina is the second time they did it again. It's the hope. It's the hope that kills you, Mario. <laughs> this, this was such a weird match because not a lot happened, really. Well, until the end. Well, this turned out to be one of the most exciting games for all different reasons in the World Cup so far. But let's be frank about it. Uh, for 70 minutes, whatever it was, before those subs come on, the Dutch were poor. Yeah. The Dutch, yes. apart from a little bit in the first half, and Mario touched on plan B. It was plan B because plan A was hopeless. And, <laughs> yeah. ulti- and ultimately, it was nothing more than getting two big, gigantic guys up front and hoofing it up from, and you can look at it any way you want, hoofing it up from every angle on the field out of desperation. And it worked. But I tell you what, the free kick, and I don't want to say the word that oh. I want to use for it. Oh. Why, are you going to be getting get into trouble? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, Showed right. some oh, incredible... Steel. Fortitude. Bravery. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> don't use the word that I was thinking of using. Because <laughs> to do it with a semi-final place in the offing, to do it with the clock ticking down... And to do it from such a magnificent position to try and get the free kick, which uh, Berghaus had hit earlier, to pull that off in a World Cup at that stage was arguably the best set piece I've, in my lifetime I've ever seen. The reason it works is because none of us, no. nobody, no. nobody who's ever played this game at any level 
would know, would think, (laughs) would expect that this is going to happen. I'll take it even further. If I were on the field for the Dutch, right, and we decide that this is what we're going to do, and I have the ball in my hand and say, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. (laughs) Right? No, let me take the free chance. Yes, we're not wasting it on this. Let me take the responsibility, and whatever happens, happens. But we're not going to try to play this thing in. And, and what if it doesn't work, right? But that's the thought process of people who, that have been around the game for years. You, you're not thinking. It wasn't even in my mind. And I don't think it was in anybody's mind. Hey, you know what they're going to do here? They're going to play it short, and they're going to score for that. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't in the cards. That's not part of the plan. And yet it was so perfect. That's why it worked. I only had to score. Yes, yes, yeah, that yeah. too. It's one thing getting it. It's one thing getting it. And yeah. I, I believe when the ball went to Veghorst, he was actually, well, there was a man came to I don't know if he was marking him at the time, but yeah. he got close to him. But Ali's right. I mean, I thought, I'm thinking of him. And he's I'm, done it before. Yeah, two years ago, there was a video of him doing it at Wolfsburg, which is one thing. Right. When but you, then to do it in the quarter final of the World You're Cup. two minutes away from the World Cup semi final or going out, and when somebody comes over and said, This is what we're doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're not doing it. Right, get him no, off his no, engine. No, 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 no. He's got a broken no, nose. I, <laughs> he, 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 look, look, I, I understand what you both are saying, but when for Gaul, he must, he has said to them before the game so many times, and let me tell you something, guys. You don't don't change anything. If you would have changed that in the game, oh my God, it would have been crazy things because that's why he protects you so well. And he set them up to do that. And we play training games like that already because we have a, a game it's called the short game. It's like three against three. It's really intense. And you play similarities like that. You play the striker in and you try to let him drop it off and shoot it in. But So that's why the practice perfectly and the setup. Not, I'm not saying it because, of course, yeah, yeah, now I saw it, so that's why I'm going to say he did well. But away from that, you cannot change it, guys. You know yourself when you play. There are some tactical movements that we do. We cannot touch that. When the coach the says do this, you're going to do it. Well, but the interesting thing is, though, Mario, they were in a similar position, I don't know if it was five or ten minutes before, yeah, yeah. and they didn't do that. Berghaus went for a strike. It wasn't a bad strike, but it hit the wall. But, but let me... Uh, anyway, whatever. It was absolutely mm. brilliant. And it just made... But let yeah. me tell you, Argentina had lost the plot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Messi himself had... He was, cl- he was as close as I'd ever seen him because... And by the way, and we talked about it, I don't like... I'm not saying he's a bad ref. I just don't like him. Yeah, Mateo Lajos. Lajos, we see it in La Liga <laughs> most weeks when we cover him. Yeah. It's too much about him. He was booking the bench in the first half. I'd love, I mean, somebody tell me how many bookings. Nobody knows. We're, we're, we're running 63. Out. Huh? 63 bookings. In 63 bookings. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a large number. And, and, and it's a when, very high number. When Paredes kicked it into the bench yes. after that free kick and then Van Dijk came oh. bowling over yeah. like the bouncer, I thought, this is gone now. Yes. And then the Argentina were blaming Lahoz yeah. at the f- final whistle Yes. when really it, the decisions he gave actually were correct. But... but- it was 10 minutes of added time because he spent seven minutes talking to people, right? And so this game wasn't out of control until Mateo Lajos let it get that way. Let it get to the point to where it was now out of control, to the point that Craig is making in terms of Argentina being in trouble. They were wobbly. They were on the ropes. And so there was a, a thought process for me that I, I'm thinking, you know what? If I'm the Netherlands, this is the moment in which we keep going forward, down the same path that we were just at the end of the match. Let's not take a step back. 
Let's keep going because Argentina, they don't quite know what has happened. I'm not saying that you keep Van Dijk as a center forward. No, you, you bring Van Dijk back as a center back. But you keep lumping balls in there because they haven't yeah. dealt with it. And instead of doing that, the Netherlands said, no, we're going to take a step back here. We're going to give the ball to Argentina. And Argentina was allowed to regain some sort of momentum, to regain a sense of what was happening to the point to where Argentina were the more likely to score at the end of extra time. This is on the Netherlands. They, have, yeah. had an, they had an opportunity to take a step forward. To go and try to win the game, they decided to protect themselves. Yeah, why didn't they ride that momentum, Mario? Because obviously they get that late goal, goes to extra time, right, really put the pressure on this Argentina side who are falling apart in front of us. But as Ali said, they kind of step back. Yeah, we lost a little bit of balance also. Eh? What Ali said was right, because we lost a little bit of balance. If you could see, like, uh, towards the end, you could see that the, the, the team started losing shape. There was a lot of gaps in it. But because in the beginning, we became desperate. You know, when you become desperate, you do different things, right? You forget about certain basic things. And when they started lumping the ball in, I totally agree. Argentina had no answer. It wasn't cute. It didn't look good, but it was very effective. But then... Then afterwards, they got back because now they got the score back and they said, OK, let's ride this out. And they believed in the penalties because they had to do that at the end. And then they get the ball against the post because Argentina hit the post then. And then, look, for me, the thing is, I totally agree with Ali. Just push them all the way. Why are you stopping? You don't have to stop. Why are you stopping? Because there's no reason for it. There is no, no, um, you, they lost their touch. And you could see the fight. The fight and the, and the things that were dragging out and running the clock down, Argentina is very good at that. Eh? I think in like the mental game, the mindset game, they won by far. They know how to go down. They know how to get you. When the guy struck the ball against the, the bench, oh, any bench will kick off. But he did that on purpose because he knew that they were going to jump for it. So that's why I feel like, no, Holland should have gone all the way for it. Uh, Julian Laronis Hotford from the game to join us alongside Shaq. Uh, Jules, the emotion of the Argentinian fans has been so evident, of course, throughout this tournament. One of the, the most vocal of the supporters group. What was it like to see them go through that roller coaster for 120 minutes and then the penalties? We've lost Jules, I think, for. Uh, we just, I think we just lost contact with Jules there. Mark calling Austin. Come in, Austin. You're back. You're back. Oh, he's back. He's back. It must have been Jules. Mark calling Austin. There you are, you see. Uh, Jules, yeah. the emotion, obviously, you were at the game of the Argentinian fans. It must have been something to see. It was incredible, really, because, as the boys were saying after that second goal, they, they, they dropped so completely, they, they literally, they completely, they were so shocked and so like if they'd been knocked out in a boxing match, they were on the ropes. And I think the fact that the Netherlands just stopped playing uh, at the start of extra time and then the, the, the Argentine fans saw that their teams was getting confidence back and getting a lot of the ball, they started believing again. But for, for a few minutes, it was like, what, what's happened here? Really, they didn't know where they were and what, what, what just happened to them. And I think, like the boy said, it was a big chance missed because after that, once they got back into the groove, those fans, then it was like, it was like we were in Buenos Aires again and it was, it was crazy. And then they pushed them so much. I've never heard a penalty shootout where the whistling and the booing is that loud, really. And it's, it, those players are used to big pressure games and, and big crowd and stuff like that. So I don't know if he played a role or not in, in, in Van Dijk missing, in the guys missing, for example. But certainly, it was so noisy that it can't have been nice if you were a Dutch player taking your penalty. 
Shaka, should we give a goalkeeper some love? Hey! Absolutely. I, I thought I, Emilio Martinez, again, was, was, was outstanding in, in, in the penalty shootout. He was calling to action right at the end of the Australia game, again, just to, to, to maintain that 2-1 that lead for, for Argentina late in, in, in that, uh, their first knockout stage game. And, and I, thought he, yeah, I thought he was simply outstanding. He, he, he looked big um, and, and, and made these saves when, when, when called on. Um, got his timings, and I'm always talking about this with parity shootouts, how important it is for keepers to get those timings just right. And, and he did that. And, and truth be told, I, I thought, just kind of given how the game swung, coming from, from, from two goals down, that the momentum was, was with the Dutch. But uh, Martinez apparently didn't, didn't read that script. The most important moment for Argentina, beyond scoring the goals in the manner in which they did, is Emiliano Martinez making that first penalty kick. Sir Van Dijk, yeah. Absolutely. Because going into the penalties, it's almost as if, well, there he goes. That's it. We had our chance. Mm-hmm. We blew it. Yeah. Netherlands, they play for penalties. Here we go. We're going to penalties. Momentum is with them. And that stadium exploded when Divo Martinez made that initial save. And he changed, obviously, the momentum and how the penalties were going to be taken. To the point of the penalties. We sat here in this studio and asked the question. It was actually put, put forth as, should Lionel Messi be taking the penalties for Argentina? Right. Following his miss. This is save against yes. And so, and we said then, well, n- nobody else is going to take the penalty. It has to be Lionel Messi. And the moments of pressure, Lionel Messi puts the ball down. And I've said all along, these slow run-ups are only for the very elite. Yeah. And this guy, <laughs> not only in the game, but then in the shootout, stares the big boy, Nopper, stares at his eyes, and he says, you're going to go, and I'm going to put it the other way. That takes some nerves. He's got him. Goalkeeper doesn't. Argentina win. He stood up, didn't he? And Neymar didn't, yes. ultimately. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you, people say you shouldn't take a couple of penalties in a game. Never mind a World Cup quarterfinal when he's got the whole of Argentina resting on his shoulders, looking for somebody to blame. But, uh, look... The Dutch have been criticised, or sorry, Van Gaal has been criticised to an extent, and Mario knows this more than me for the style. And he talked about winning. Uh, prefer style or you prefer winning? Well, ultimately, maybe a little part of the US game, apart from that, they haven't played well at all. Mm. And for all these great Dutch players over the years, and there's been many, they've never looked more dangerous in this, this tournament when they had two big, you know, yeah. hod carriers up yeah. front. Let's be honest, and Veghorst was at Burnley uh, and uh, couldn't really cut the mustard there and De Jong's been around the block and that's when they looked the most dangerous. Not their silky football, not Gakpo and Depay. When they were lumping in the box and maybe to give them a small, small excuse was they put so much effort into that final 10 minutes or whatever it was plus the injury time and that they did change shape and Aki went to left back and it just felt that once they went to... To, uh, to extra time that that whistle had gone and they couldn't quite get that momentum going again and Argentina as Alice said got a foothold in the game and started peppering that goal but, but let's be honest the Dutch have just not done enough in this competition apart from launching it into the box at the end bit of desperation a great free kick of course but, but just not enough quality for them I'm afraid A word on Lionel Messi yeah. while he's not the player 
that he once was. We recognize that, and it's 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 really interesting to see how a player changes right in front of our eyes. How he has managed to change his game. He's not running away from people the way in which he once did. People are catching up to mm-hmm. him, and they're able to close spaces down that they weren't before. Regardless, whenever he gets involved in the game, he gives Argentina clarity. He attracts all the attention, and then he finds the pass that releases everything else. So he is indeed the definition of an outlet. You find him, he resolves the issue, and now you move forward. And it happens time and time again. In the assist to Nahuel Molina. He's already seen Nahuel Molina, and there is a beautiful look in one of the replays in which he sees Molina and continues to dribble inside, and all he's looking for is an angle, knowing full well that he's going to go find Molina. All he needs is an angle. All I need to do is just get around this defender to find this no-look pass this way. It's a level of greatness, an elite talent that we, saw, that we see from the special ones. He's a special one. We also learned today that, uh, that nobody else apart from Lionel Messi is allowed to intentionally handball. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> and and, and, and Lajos. I mean, just, I mean, Lajos, nothing to see here. What? Oh, oh sorry, Lionel. Uh, yeah, I'll be yeah. running for dinner can, can I, uh, next weekend again. Uh, go on, Mario. But the rest, I, 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 can I, can I, exactly what he says, oh, so, what Greg says. How could he? Look, how could he not give him a yellow card? Today? You know, like it's, it's like look, I look, I look, guys. I tell you honestly, yes, I love Messi. I think great footballer, but away from that, come on, give the guy a yellow card just like everybody else. And even I know that some of the Dutch guys were saying that. You know, they were saying like, hey, ref, you got to book him just like the other. And Van Dijk said it, and the ref says no. And Van Dijk looked at the ref, saying like, almost like, you know, because I have a feeling with the ref that you guys talked about. This is the guy. I am the first one to say. I never like referees, which you cannot talk to. I had a couple of times, you know, when you want to say something to them, they go, no, no, no. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's identical to that because you can see how he reacts. But away from that, I felt Argentina, when we talk about them, when they, how they played and how they performed, it was for me just to see how a team knows they have a star man, but everybody is getting confidence. Look at who uh, goes forward. And gets the penalty, but just he, he knew that he the, the things that he brings is as his eagerness. And and that is what I felt like at the moment when he got that penalty, it was just down to play with Messi gives you makes you feel like you can do anything because you you're so confident. I think that was the thing. And then when they lost that, we should have killed them. I think when Scaloni looks at his subs, can I just add that? Um oh, go on Shaq. Go on Shaq. Sorry, let- yeah, if I can just add something on the back of, of what Ali said, and, and listen, we, we'll wax lyrical about Lionel Messi's performance as a player, and, and rightly so. I, I am with everybody in world football. That, that assist for the opening goal is one of the best passes I've ever seen. But in contrast to the discussion we were having around Neymar, I thought Lionel Messi was everything Argentina needed him to be from a leadership perspective. I, I, I'm in agreement with the boys in that I thought La Hose was awful on, on the day, yet I thought he was very pro-Argentine. Uh, I, I thought oh. he allowed Argentina to get away with things. They laid on Messi handball. Paredes could have been sent off for, for the challenge and then kicking the ball in. I thought both of those were, were yellow cards. He then goes to the back of, 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 uh, of Frankie de Jong, which again could have been another a, a yellow uh, a yellow card, how Paredes stayed on the pitches is simply beyond me. That being said, at half time, 
as the teams are going into to the tunnel, Lionel Messi stays out and confronts Lahoz for a good couple of minutes. Now, the analyst <laughs> in me is saying this is not a good look. A Spanish referee, um, Lionel Messi, standing up to him in the middle of the park for as long as, as he was. The, the football player in me is saying that is exactly what I want from my leader. That is exactly what I want from somebody that carries the gravitas in the game that, that Lionel Messi does. Um, and I feel that had an impact on how the game went, how the game was officiated from, from there on in. So from every single aspect of this game, Lionel Messi gave to Argentina every single thing that they needed to get through this tie. Mm -hmm. uh, Messi actually said uh, that he didn't want to talk about the referee, but Matteo Lajos shouldn't be refereeing these sort of big matches. Oh, <laughs> so uh, there you go. <laughs> well, he didn't, let, he didn't let him off. We uh, there's, a, there's, a kick, <laughs> there's a kick for you. Right, let's get more reaction now. I know Alexis is uh, waiting patiently by as well. She's been uh, mingling with both sets of fans. Should we start with the Argentinian fans? I imagine they're rather, rather happy, uh, Alexis. Yeah, Dan, they're absolutely happy and mingling with both sets of fans. Not so much the Dutch. Unfortunately, it was very hard to find them. As you can imagine, that stadium was again like part 2.0 of being La Bombonera. I think there was about 1,500 Dutch fans that were expected. Uh, Pascal Kampman, who told us from ESPN Netherlands, they were expecting maybe 400 more. They sold 400 more tickets, but they were just a drop in a big bucket of Argentina fans. And before the game, you know, we got to speak to some of them. Or I was just trying to pick their brains to see if they were going to be happy with the fact that Brazil were out and they were absolutely thrilled. I had to remind them, hey, don't you want that semi-final against Brazil, you know? And, and it would be so good for Conmebol as well. But they said no, because with Brazil out, that means our path to the final is a lot easier because you never know what you're going to get from Brazil. But then I think when they went inside, they said they wanted an easier match. They feel like they haven't really seen an Argentina as dominant as they'd want them to be. At the end of each match, we just keep talking about the brilliance of Leo Messi and how much they are so lucky to continuously have him. And as you can see, everyone's still chanting Messi, Messi, Messi behind us. Um, and that's what they wanted to see today, but that is not what they got. It was still another painstakingly tense match as well. You know, the Netherlands, I thought, did well in the first 30 minutes to kind of stop Argentina's rhythm. A couple of the Argentine players looked a bit frustrated and then once again this match was just screaming for something from Leo Messi and once he made that pass and of course Molina scored, everyone celebrated. It was absolute limbs but immediately after the celebrations everyone just started saying one name, Messi, Messi and bowing down because they knew once again they, he had come to their rescue and I mean the only time that the Argentina fans went quiet of course, was that Dutch equalizer at the death, and you could have heard a pin drop after that. It kind of took the wind out of their sails. The massive band of Argentine fans behind me started to get angry at their own people. They said, what are we here for if we're just going to go quiet when they've equalized? And, you know, Messi came around as well to our end, and he was doing this. Uh, Emiliano Martinez as well in the penalties. He When he saved them, he, he was going around to the fans and getting them up. But that 12th man has been so special for Argentina. Once again, they feel like they've not dominated as much as they need to. They're still relying heavily on Messi, kind of as uh, Jules said, France rely on Kylian Mbappe. But at the end of the day, if this is what he's going to do, and so far they've managed to survive, then it truly is a special thing to see this magician at work. And now up against Croatia, a couple of them said they are nervous after what they saw Croatia do to Brazil, but they have 
all the confidence now that they've surpassed such a massive test and probably already see themselves in that final. Alexis, as always, thank oh. you very much. Yeah, I would make a very good detective. Why not? There's 1,400 people wearing orange <laughs> supporting the Dutch and she couldn't find one. Uh, Argentina then will face Croatia. Many thought it was going to be an Argentina-Brazil final, but Croatia pulling off that shot then going through to meet Lionel Messi's side. Argentina, big favourites, look 11-4 to four on compared to Croatia, 11-5. Uh, uh, let's do a quick whip around, shall we? Jules, who's going through? Uh, I think you can't stop Argentina now. Everything is going their way. I think Croatia will frustrate them and they will control the ball and they will have to run after the ball. We saw Brazil doing it and they won't like doing that. But I think they will have too much for Croatia. We're hearing Shaka Mateo Lajos will be in charge of this game. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Dan, I, I told you all at the start of this tournament that Argentina were going to win it. I never changed my mind yeah. once. I'm sticking with Argentina. Wow. There's a man that's gutted after match day one. Yes. He jumped ship. Yeah, jumped ship. Jumped ship. Straight no. out. He just left the <laughs> ship. To the Brazil he boat. left the ship burning. He took the one the one life vest that was on, on the boat and yeah. he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Gone. They left the whole thing in flames this behind. This starting with Brown. Ask everybody <laughs> else. Uh, uh, Ask wait, everybody Joe, else. Joe, Never mind. Joe, Joe, oh. Joe said, to you, I can't see anybody stopping Argentina. They were not, who stopped Brazil? There you go. Yeah. 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 So you're going yeah. Croatia? I, I, uh, <laughs> I honestly think I don't agree with those odds. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I do think Brazil have got more had more than their armory than than, than uh, Argentina all around the pitch. Just yeah. did, just did not get it done. A big part of that is Croatia. So I'm going to. I mean, uh, the sort of fairy tale story is Messi and Argentina, but this yeah. Croatia side for me, I've got a lot more guts than that. I'm going to go. Croatia. Wow. Second oh, World that Cup, was, that second was a World Cup, second World Cup final it. in four years. I, I am shocked that you don't believe in the fairy tale. Shocked. <laughs> um, uh, uh, special, baby. Oh, Comeball. Yeah. Argentina, well, uh, we're riding Argentina. It's, it's yeah. the only one we got. Uh, uh, that's it. Shaka uh, will be back with us for extra time. Uh, just say we're Is he or has he jumped channel somewhere uh, else? Plenty <laughs> of content else. over our YouTube channel, including extra time. Uh, be sure to check that out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. ESPN FC on ESPN Plus is presented by the all-new Honda CRV Hybrid. The final quarterfinal on Saturday is, of course, England against France. France, the favourites going into this tie. You're not even going to watch the Morocco-Portugal uh, game. Of course I'm You're going to be prancing around <laughs> in your lounge, just like muttering to yourself, <laughs> awaiting some white... There'll white, be a lot of a lot. There'll be people in a white van outside your house to take you into an institution. That's how bad you're going to be. Yes, uh, we will. Welcome in, Mark Ogden joins us. Mark, obviously you're rooming with Jules. Uh, this is quite the battle of the roommates. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's tied up my uh, my cable as well. I think he's trying to stitch me up here. But he's, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to... Uh, oh, uh, okay. oh, yeah. <laughs> um, how do you see this, Mark? I think that... I've been watching France last week. I think that... I think England are slight favourites, actually. I think that France, for me, haven't got the midfield to, to compete with England. I think that Mbappe is the X factor, isn't it? Mbappe is the guy that you know nobody can nobody can cope with. But I think England have got a really good chance. No, no, I want to say, okay, no surprises then. We've just put the team up here, but similar team to the last game, or any changes? No, I, I don't see any changes. I really don't. I think that. You know, you could argue that maybe at right back you could you could maybe bring in Trippier instead of Walker because what I know Walker's at the pace, but Walker for me was was caught out a couple of times against Senegal last week. But I think they are banking on his pace. I think they are banking on the fact that Walker's played against him before. He's got he has got that pace. And Mbappe's name checking this week has been one of the fastest players he's played against. But beyond that, I, I just don't see how you change it. I don't see. I would I wouldn't argue for Rashford to start. I don't know. I, I think I think the team he's got to start with is is as good as he's going to get. But. You know, France of France, I think, like I say, you take out Mbappe, I think France, with all the injuries, you know, with, with no Pogba, with no Kante, with no Nkunku, with, with no Hernandez, I, th- I think France, uh, no Benzema, obviously, I think France is a much weaker prospect. So, I think, and, and you know me, I, I'm not the most optimistic Englishman ever, but I think England have got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, Jules, what's the big talking point from a French perspective going into this tie? <laughs> Well, I think we're hoping that England put quite a lot of focus and energy at trying to stop Kylian Mbappe, of course, and that they can they, we can benefit from that with having like, more freedom to Griezmann, more freedom to Dembele. I think people overlook the Dembele v. Show matchup, I think, and everybody focuses on Kylian, of co- and rightly so, I think, because he will have a big part to play in this in this game, and if England can't stop him, then then I think we're going through. But the Dembele v. Show is quite a fascinating one as well, and and I think. Let's not forget how good Dembele has been at times, not always, but at times there's still issues with his decision making. But at times he's been really good in this tournament and I think Shok and Maguire can struggle against him. There's the Griezmann new role and that new position as well that I think can hurt England. So I, th- I really think it's a 50-50. Maybe you can give 55-45 to France because of Kylian. But I think this one is a very tight one and it's, it's hard to call even if I kind of have to agree with Mark. I've got a bad feeling about this one and I think I think... Tomorrow can be England's day, really. But I think the French have a lot of arguments and you can make a case for them winning as well. Uh, you can see the mental struggle that Jules is already having. Uh, let's take a look, shall we, at the predictions. Only Jules and Craig 
Uh, two people going for an England victory. Elsewhere, everybody else. Oh, hold, on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did Augie just not say France is England? Uh, well, he's gone 3-1 here. <laughs> <laughs> Change your mind. Yeah, he just said that. Yeah, 3-1. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Predictions are a mess. Why, Craig? Yeah. Uh, look, I think the French are a really good... Obviously, I mean... Hopefully this is not going to be the most boring game, you know, because it's on paper, it looks like a, an amazing match. Why? I think if the two English fullbacks get exposed to, to Dembele or Mbappé cheating, and I think that's a big worry for Shaw going forward. I think if they get exposed, the French will get at Maguire. If Dembele gets at Maguire, it's history, right, or Mbappé. Mm. But I just... If, if England can do the basics, it's in the big F defensively, I just like the rotation they've got up front and in midfield. I, I just feel they're performing well in there. I think Henderson in there along with Rice gives Bellingham that, who's obviously was brilliant last time out, gives him that extra edge and confidence to, to step forward and run with the ball and make those late runs. And, and if Foden and Saka's not happening, he's got three or four players he can make changes to. And for me, that's why I think it's going to be a high-scoring, potentially English victory. Mm. And that's Scott. I mean, as a Scotsman, uh, it's not easy to say that. Uh, right. Mario, what are you oh, going for? How do you see this game oh, going? I, I, I see. I see. I, I think that France is going to do the surprise package to England because I know that the English are talking about okay, this is their opportunity. But just what Greg said, I, I feel them Baylor could be even you know like the focus is on Mbappe. Everybody focuses on I've heard Walker says that too. What he says is the answer to it. I love it. What he said, like, look, we all talk about Mbappe, but it's also about me and about my country. Okay, but Dembele, that's another one for me. Like, when he gets on the ball, it's, it's not easy. Eh? One against one with a guy that dribbles left foot can cross right foot. That's very difficult. Like, sometimes people don't talk about it. But the system that he has, Dembele, I tell you straight up, okay, Mbappe... I'm not going to say like it's easier to talk, to play against, but at least you know what he's going to do. If the pace is behind you, he's going to go for it. But Dembele is unpredictable. So that's why that's one. And then, of course, we got, you know, Giroud. Giroud is not the guy that we look at and thinking like, oh, he's going to do some crazy stuff. But he scores goals and you go like, wow. So that's why I go for France. I feel, you know, Tukamani in the middle of the park, he will put the balance in. Yes, France is going to maybe come up with a surprise, regardless if I like what England is doing. All right, you'd have to smile when you say it. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Mario will be back uh, for extra time. We'll say thank you as well uh, to Mark and Jules. Oh, what fun <laughs> it's going to be in your flat tomorrow. Uh, meanwhile, of course, the opening uh, quarterfinal Saturday is Morocco against Portugal. Portugal 3-1 to one on to advance to the semi-final. Uh, Morocco looking, of course, to defy mm. the odds and defy everybody, actually. Mm. Nobody has given Morocco any love whatsoever. In fact, it's going to be a two-goal deficit with the exception of Craig and Frank, who thinks it's going to be tighter than that. Of course, we'll be looking back at England against France, Morocco against Portugal, and looking ahead to the semi-finals, which are on Tuesday and Wednesday on the next edition of the show. So be sure to join us. For more reaction from what we've seen in these extraordinary quarterfinals, be sure to check out the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast, which is available to listen to now. Tired of 
ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. That must be the big chair on the on the, the, on the left. left side. Yeah, always the big chair. Joe's there, yes. and then he sits there when Gab's not there. Yeah, uh, that is it. Standard. That brings us to the end of today's show. Be sure to stay tuned, though, as Extra Time is next. This is FC Extra Time brought to you by Globen. Hello and welcome into the FC studio. Craig's with us, as is Ali Shaka as well. Shaka looking quite stern. Uh, Mario smiling, despite hey. the fact, of course, the Dutch uh, out. They knew they were going out anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, no, man, I didn't know that, Greg. Come on, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for the miracle, Greg. <laughs> oh, man. Shaq's, Shaq's looking a bit stern because he was made to go to a game. Shaq looks like he lost his luggage and had to buy or a jumper from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where that's come from. This is a nice jumper. We're on a ball. Jules took his ball. Are you in the middle of the desert? <laughs> long sleeves. I was always for the Middle East. Long sleeves. You know. It's cold. It's winter. Uh, it's winter. Oh, it's right. cold. Oh, winter. Oh, you got to say. Okay. What's the most interesting free kick routine that has worked for you in your playing days? Was the Dutch routine one of the best you have seen? You 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 said it was well, one of the I best. I said what? Best set pieces. By the way, we had, we, we had all these we had these set pieces with Scotland for years. Right. Not not that fancy. Right. Well, it's not that fancy, was it? <laughs> well, fancy enough, wasn't it? <laughs> and uh, and honestly, we used to do these set pieces, different ones, and over a ten-year period, you know how many worked? Zero. Why don't they work? Because you're when you train those things, you do it against cones, right? When you play against live people, they actually move. How dare they? How dare yes. they? They get in the way. People get in the way and stuff these things up. Mario, did you ever work on set pieces like that? No, I mean, like, I mean, I, I know we, we never had like moments like that. We just like the guys who just kick it, and I wasn't part of yes. that because my kick wasn't good enough. <laughs> I think in the '98 World Cup, maybe Argentina against England, they did a little. Yes, yes, they did a, a, a little something, yes. a little triangulation yeah, around was, the wall. That was the Beckham game, the Mike Lowen goal. Yeah, yeah it might have been Sanetti that scored yeah, that set piece. I, I don't oh, you, oh, you forgot that one. Huh? Oh, yes, How convenient. No. Yeah. Hmm. Shaka what, 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 bleh, bleh. Shaka, what do you think is the reason for so many penalties being saved at this year's World Cup? The odds are so against the goalie, it's insane. I, I think the keepers have just got it right. And, and I've, I've, I keep seeing every time I see, every time I see goalkeepers sitting in, in this tournament, they, they, they get the timing right. If you can get that first movement just right, I, I think it... it 
it takes away the kicker going to the other side and switching things up. And, and I just think that, uh, that, that those keepers have, have, have done incredibly well. And then you've got the likes of Chelsea who just produced the incredible. But that, that is separate. Keepers are getting bigger. It's the global warming of goalkeepers. Really? This is a, this is a <laughs> result of global warming? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a result of global something, but they're, right. getting, they're getting... Because you think the fact that... God, I was watching the AC Milan-Liverpool penalty shootout from 2005 in the Champions League final. Hold on, hold on. You were watching that? Somebody sent it to me, and it's, inter- it's only interesting, well, it's interesting, because Dudek is, like, almost at the six-yard line yeah. when the penalty is taken, and no-one batters an eyelid, and now people are more stringent about the goalkeeper having a front yeah. of the line, so you imagine it was more in favour of it was, the player. It was, and they would, they would eke it out, but it's amazing that, actually, the goalkeepers, in some sense, have figured out how to deal with that with the back foot. Right. Mm. And, it, and it's not affected them too much, but I do think size... I'm not going to say this. <laughs> what, what size, Craig? I do think the size. <laughs> size of goalkeeper. What, Craig? It's important. <laughs> not, 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 not allowed to. Oh, okay. I do think the the. This, okay. <laughs> Good job. I, I, have, I have no I, other words to say. <laughs> no, I have to apologise to Shaka. Oh, why? I have to I have to apologise to Shaka because when Craig was saying that goalkeepers are getting bigger. Yes. Yep. I thought Shaka. Oh, I see, but Shaka's getting wider. Not yeah, yeah. Not, not, not I'm just. I, I, my apologies, Shag. My bad. Well, it is when you, it is off-putting for a player when you see. <laughs> yeah. Because you know it is, and you look at the keepers, Allison, Emmy Martinez, and good grief, although I don't think he saved one. Nopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. No, but no. He's gigantic, no. by the way. No. His head's almost touching the crossbar. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Uh, uh, for Mario, was this a successful World Cup for your team? Losing in the quarterfinals against Argentina on penalties isn't something to be upset with. I think that's fair. No, of course you have to be upset. Because, look, um, you wanted to win. I know it goes to penalties. Penalties is difficult because then it's just on both hands, right? It's, 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 it's always been like football. I, I hated it and I know why I hate it because you, you, don't, you can't control the, the outcome anymore. But we could do a little bit better because we have so many times we've been knocked down by this, by this situation and definitely by Argentina. So, yeah, I would say we could have done a little, we could have done better. But is it fair? It's never fair. Losing is never fair. It doesn't matter when you lose. Never fair. How excited were you in that second goal when the equaliser went in, Mario? Oh, my God. I, man, okay, I'm not going to say, but I was, <laughs> I was doing the live game and I was going crazy. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, you know, we don't have a shot on goal the first half. Come on, guys. Allow me to scream at least the second half. Because the first half, there was nothing to scream from here for. So the second half, I was screaming like crazy. Uh, Steve Nicol, I spoke to on the drive-in, uh, took the dog for a walk at 2-0 because he thought oh. it was over. Oh. <laughs> Does he know what happened? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise. Uh, Craig, what liabilities do Argentina have that you think Croatia can take advantage of? Discipline. Yeah. Uh, was one in the end. Scaloni made substitutions to calm the game down <laughs> and it had the opposite effect yeah. you know bookings for substitutes Paredes could have been sent off uh, I'm not going to say this because Stevie will love it but yeah. launching the ball in the box at the end yes but you know not many teams have two guys at almost what height Veghorst is 6'6 or whatever he was yeah and the De Jong's not far off not far off so not many mm. teams have that 
Otamendi and Martinez struggled. I don't know what's what's Ali. You know. Well, I, I just think uh, Argentina have figured out who's going to play in the middle for them, and that's Enzo Fernandez, and that's something that they had to figure out by trial and error in the first couple of games. McAllister has been important to them. Yeah. But when you think about one of the most important players for Argentina that is not named Lionel Messi, Rodrigo De Paul is one of the names that comes up. And he comes off the field today. There were questions as to what his fitness was going to be. Comes off injured today. Di Maria only came in in the second half of extra time. So the level of fitness for Argentina as a whole doesn't seem to be all that strong. Maybe that's something that Croatia can take advantage of through possession and controlling the game and the pace of the game. Is that your burner account, by the way? What's that? I love Dan. Dan's biggest fan. No. Just... It's yeah. definitely you. No. One no. of your kids. Yeah, yeah. You, well, <laughs> if it was one of my kids, it definitely don't not say I love Dan. <laughs> and Denise would certainly not have that either. <laughs> so who loves you, Dan? Hey. <laughs> oh. Uh, um, Shaka, how's <laughs> you okay? Uh, you okay? I'm flustered. Whoa. Shaka, how surprised are you <laughs> that no one got a red card in the Netherlands Argentina game? Uh, desperately, as, as I said during, during the show. Uh, Berghaus. Got, well, he got booked for, for uh, I, I didn't even think it was a foul, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, on Lionel Messi in the 80th minute. Um, like I say, I, I didn't even think it was a foul. Somehow he picks up a, a, bu- a booking. Less than 60 seconds later, Paredes goes flying into a challenge and then boots the ball straight into the, the, the Netherlands dugout. Both of those, in, in my mind, were, were, were yellow-worthy. And then in, in extra time, he goes to the back of Frankie de Jong. That was without question, again, yellow-worthy. Yellow so how, how Lahoz decided not to send anybody off Paredes top of that list is, is, is beyond me. Yeah, Mario kind of leads into the next question. Never mind that. How many pies no, did you I, have I, during the game? <laughs> how many pies did you have during the game? Come on. Steak and kidney? Shaq, what were you what? having? What? None. What? I was home. I, I, went, I went to the, hey, went, I with the Brazil now. game. There were no pies in the Brazil game. There were no pies in Brazil. Why? So what are they selling for eating? Yeah, oh, it, 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 it's home for... It's home for. Uh, I don't know. Hey, guys, I'm I have a, a question. Very strict diet. My body's a what, temple. Pies? Right? Is it a pie question? If it's not a pie question, <laughs> I don't want to know. What do you want, Mario? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You remember one time we saw saw somebody striking the ball in the crowd, and he came back and he got a red card for that. There, w- there was something happened. I was on the yeah, show, on and pies, someone yes. strike the ball, and, and yeah. then then he went upstairs to apologize. Yes, he went to apologize, and eventually, I think he got a red card for doing that. So that's why I was like. Like also surprised when you know the player did it from Argentina and nothing happened. Just the, the route kicked off. I was surprised yeah. in that moment too. Yeah, so I was like the same thing. I'm really least. just intrigued because you can't get a beer. So what, what, what's the culinary? What, I mean, you know, it's, it's you not. Have a, Craig's on a diet. He's got food <laughs> on the brain. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> a foot, it's not a game of football. If you can't get <laughs> stuff your face at halftime, or send somebody, family member, or friend to come <laughs> back. Oh, somebody to game with you. Oh, a stranger. All right, send a stranger. Excuse me, would you mind guarding me a pie, please? So I'm, I'm just intrigued. It's, it's worrying me. Uh, it's worrying me what you're going to get to eat during the game in the Middle East. Hans Lajos given us the worst performance ever by a ref. Messi handled the ball, no yellow. Paredes should have been sent off a few times and always blew his whistle. All of those things were frustrating. But the fact that he made it about himself. Yeah. From the... 
very like early Craig's, part of the Craig's game. obsession with pies. Is yes. Like the yeah, obsession with it. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's having a conversation with this coach. And we're having a conversation with that manager. And then yellow card to the guys sitting on the bench. It's almost as if he's paying more attention to the guys off the field and the guys on the field who are the ones that you ought to pay attention to. And it, and it reminds me of referees that just want to take over, right? They want to be the protagonist, if you will. And you just want to go up to them and say, you know, Mateo, Ms. Señor Lateo Lajos, they're not here to see you. Mm. All these people <laughs> here in the stadium, all the people watching in TV, they're here to see us. Not you. You get booked for that. You get booked for that alley. If you say that to him, he will book you. Not Mateo Lajos, he will not book me. See, I'm just, that's me just morphing into Colombo. Right, Remember okay. Colombo? Yes, yeah. Just one more thing. The detective, yeah. I'm trying to find out if Shaq was actually at the game. Oh, okay. That's my way around about it. Instead right. of just saying, Shaq, you didn't go to the game, is that what are they, what pies do they have? Right. <laughs> what food was at the game? Shut him up, Shaka. <laughs> what food was at the game? I'm not taking that for an I answer. don't know. I, I, you weren't at the I game. Didn't for, <laughs> you didn't go. I, I didn't go for any food. <laughs> okay. You didn't go for any food. I've never seen was, you at your I desk. I was at the Brazil game. There was I've never I didn't seen go for any you food. at your desk in this building <laughs> without <laughs> munching food from the calf. This is from Stevie's ex-barber, 035. Not a, not a question, but just let me officially thank Dr. Shaka for lifting his curse off Argentina when he supported them and placed it on mm. Brazil. He gets a free haircut from me for that. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I, want, I want one like the uh, number two. The number two that Stevie had. That's what I want. Yeah, I want yeah the, exactly. Like Three on the top, two on the sides, I think it was. Final question. Dan, were you able to get a refund on that flight to mm. Brazil? I thought it would be a nice gift, early Christmas present <laughs> for my wife uh -huh. to send her to Brazil on Sunday to watch the semi-finals and the final, oh, maybe, oh, with oh. her Brazilian family. Oh. Instead, they get, they'll get to watch Croatia Argentina together. <laughs> 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 That's the oldest trick in the book, isn't it? What's that? That's the oldest trick. That's the oldest oh, trick in yes the book. Yes, it is. is oh, wait, wait, oh. Wait, don't you start, Shaq. It's the oldest trick in the book. It's been played a thousand times. I think it'd be really good you go to Brazil, it would be an amazing atmosphere, and watch... That's nice. What a nice gesture. <laughs> Beautiful. I don't know. There was no. It's a, it's a Christmas gift. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Is that the babysitter? <laughs> yes, you're needed round the house. I'm going out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. Very inaccurate point. We will end today's show. Thank you very much to Mario and to Shaka and to Colombo. Love shall overcome. Love shall overcome. ESPN FC then back on your screens tomorrow. Oh, it's England. Are you here, are you here tomorrow? Do you want me to be? No. I really don't. Oh, Ali and Craig back you tomorrow. Might, you might not hey. be if she's watching. Oh. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 